Welcome to Resource on the Go, a podcast from the National Sexual Violence Resource Center on understanding, responding to, and preventing sexual abuse and assault. I'm Louis Marvin, and I'm the training specialist at the NSVRC. On today's episode, we're joined by Shade Swift, Sisters Van Coordinator at Black Women's Blueprint, to talk about that program, Sisters Van. Welcome to the podcast. Um, tell us a little bit about your work, particularly on, on health equity and preventing sexual violence. Uh, Black Women's Blueprint is a civil and human rights organization uh, that centers the needs of survivors and women um, and girls since 2008. Uh, and we've been strengthening the community in Brooklyn by providing essential needs um, for the past 15 years um, in Brooklyn uh, that really thinks about bringing access to things like doulas and midwives um, and birth workers to underserved communities um, and women that otherwise wouldn't have access to it. Um, And we also are able to really have trainings, um, healing circles, uh, funding resources, uh, to provide women and girls with access to things that they otherwise wouldn't have access to. Uh, for example, contraception, um, to be able to have healing circles again, um, and really thinking about what it means to have liberatory practices and healing justice spaces um, in, in places that traditionally wouldn't practice those things. Um, and we think about you know what it means to address health inequities and be able to, you know, just what prevention looks like and means, um, especially when the livelihoods of women and girls are constantly changing, um, especially black girls um, and black women. Um, And really wanting to think about the, yeah, like what, how can we as an organization continue to meet the the needs of these folks? Um, And one of the things that we recently came up with this, this year um, a phrase the term in, in a coin the term, sorry, in 2019, which is the sexual abuse to uh, maternal mortality pipeline, sorry. Um, and really being able to to survey the community around how these how this pipeline has worked in their lives um, and really capturing that data that otherwise wouldn't be captured. Awesome. That's so much great work. And I love how you said that um the needs of um, the women and girls who you're working with, particularly Black women and girls, are constantly changing and you're constantly um, adjusting your work to meet those needs because that is one of the big themes of this podcast series that we're doing, particularly in light of the pandemic. Um, So um, you're just doing some great stuff. And um, we know that one of the services that um, you offer through your work is the Sisters Van, Um, and that is a trauma-informed survivor-centered mobile healing unit, and um, and that that's one of the areas that you've especially made shifts to your work due to the pandemic, and that's a program that you coordinate. Um, So can you tell us how Black Women's Blueprint and you did that, and um, and other ways that you've had to change or adjust your work in light of COVID? Yeah, so um, one, one big shift to Black Women's Blueprint is that we went digital, um, in the sense that all of our staff is working from home and from different states. Um, and the, the, this is Van 
really shifted to responding to the immediate need of people in New York, women and girls, black women and girls in New York um, by providing things like food, um, contraception, clothes, um, connecting people to direct services, right? So one of the things that um, I had to develop was really building out community, uh, community support in all the boroughs. Um, so I went out, not physically, but online um, and looked at what were the mutual aid groups that existed within these communities um, and really being able to see like, would you, would you benefit from having a mobile van um, that can come with supplies to your area? Um, and one of our biggest partners right now is Crown Heights Mutual Aid, um, who provides us with all of our food every week um, to serve about 60 to 100 families every week. Um, and that we take the van to every single borough in different neighborhoods um, where we're seeing either spikes in COVID um, or where we're seeing that there's a high, a high percentage of um, people that just are in need, right? Like when you drive by um, and there's soup kitchen lines that are literally like hundreds of people, um, we're able to just pull up and say like, hey, you can like hop off the line and we can also support. Um, and this realizing that this is this was something that was needed was really from just people hitting us up and being like, hey, you have this van, like, is there anything that you can do with it while COVID is happening? Um, and we immediately jumped on, on the opportunity to really be out there. Um, the other thing that we're seeing is, especially at the beginning of the pandemic was people not having proper PPE, um, not having, uh, not knowing where to go for testing, like all of these other things. Um, so we immediately jumped on that and, and we're able to create resource guides and be able to send um, resources to folks. I'm also Spanish speaking. So I, my, my phone was literally like the hotline um, for, you know, whatever resources people needed. Um, and it, it, it really hasn't stopped, right? Like we started this in April, um, you know, shifting our work with Sisters Van started in April and till now, right? Like we, we are still very much having an influx of people who need support um, and, and need this, you know, need food and still need PPE and are, are trying to figure out um, what it means to like be pregnant during a pandemic and needing all these supplies or um, having a partner pass away because of the pandemic and not knowing what to do. Um, and so there, there's still so much going on and I'm, I'm grateful that I'm able to, to support and, and lead such a powerful program like Sisters Van um, with the help of Denise, who's a driver, um, and that we've really been able to cultivate uh, such, a, such a powerful on the grounds effort that is really like community run um, and we respond wherever we're needed. That is just overwhelming to hear, like just as somebody who isn't living in New York and but has you know read a lot about the early um, wave in New York City, um, to think of you driving around with your van, getting folks the things they need is super powerful. So, um, wow. So you said a few things that I um, was really excited about and wanted to follow up on. One of them is the, um, kind of how it, it seems like you were really well positioned in communities to kind of immediately respond and hear the needs. And so I just wonder if you could talk a little bit about that, about how Black Women's Blueprint um, was already doing work to um, address health inequity and how that translated to 
just the ability for you to hear what was needed and be so connected to community um, in order to do that mobilizing right away. Like how um, how was the work that you were already doing before COVID um, connecting you to community in a way that, that helped you activate? Yeah. So social media played, I think, a huge role in this. Um, one of the programs that Black Women's with Parent runs is Sister Circles, um, which is our healing circle for survivors. Um, and we've we had contact with folks before. Um, and so it was really reaching out to the folks that we had worked with before, our partners, our funders, um, to say like, hey, we're we're thinking about shifting our work with Sisters Van. Um, what a community that you are currently working with that we can also respond to. Um, you may not have a on the ground effort right now during COVID, um, but we do. So how can we collaborate to make this possible? Um, one of the spaces that Black Women's with Parents involved in is the Women of Color Solidarity Economy, um, which is a Facebook group um, that focuses on exchanging food, supplies, transport, and other services. Um, and so we immediately, as soon as we started to shift our work, dropped in a note there. And, and this group is full of organizers from around, around the city, around the US, um, to really think about and ask the question of, what, what do you need right now? What would be most helpful during this pandemic? What would be most helpful this week <laughs> um, to get you through? Um, and what are the communities that we need to be hitting that you know as people on the ground, as organizers um, who are in community right now? Um, and so we really leveraged our, our relationships with the organizers that we knew. Um, I'm, I'm well connected, I'm, I'm an organizer myself um, and really just reached out to friends to be like, hey, you know, I know that you work with um, children's centers, right? Or, or uh, children, yeah, children's shelters. Um, what are things that children right now would need, especially after transitioning out from their home to a shelter? Um, and a lot of it was like art, like we need art supplies, like we need, you know, things to keep our kids like occupied, you know, transitioning from um, in-person learning to like virtual learning. We need something to like decompress, right? Um, and so we, you know, got herbs and, and were able to like, these are like relaxing teas that we were able to ask for, for people to donate, um, to give to folks as while we were out there. Um, so really being able to leverage our relationships virtually because that, that was what we had access to. Um, and also our partners, our funders really like aided in um, saying like, this is where you need to be. This is, these are the people that we're seeing that need support. Um, and we responded. So good. Um, you're just like listing so many things. I just wonder if you could talk about like how big is the van and what is, like how often does it like have to restock and and <laughs> just like what does it look like on the inside? Could you tell people a little bit about those kinds of things? Sure. So the van is blue, um, which is so cute. It says this is van on the side um, and it's a, a wheelchair accessible van. Um, it fits about like I would say 13 to 15 people. Um, but we've taken the back, the back seats out so that we have bins in there. Um, and in the back, you know, in the van, we at all times have um, things like plan B, pads, tampons, food, that's non-perishable, of course. Um, we have things like clothes. Right now, we just got a, a huge donation of like gloves, socks, um, and hats for the wintertime. Um, there's so many folks experiencing homelessness right now. Um, and, you know, those small things really do make a difference. Uh, we also have a bunch of toiletries. Um, one big thing that we, we've also encountered is that a lot of the folks that, that 
meet with sisters men are experiencing homelessness. Um, and so that we're able to provide them things that will get them through their week. Um, and we restock the van every single week. Um, so every week is a new set of things that come onto the van. Um, and we've had people literally from the from April to now still donating things. Um, people mail us things. There were there was um a few people around the US actually that sold masks to send us um or businesses that provided a percentage of their proceeds to us, um, which we then you know help with supporting the van, like getting gas and getting it serviced and all these other things. Um, and so really it's been a community effort. Um, it's been people who are passionate about this work donating to us and us replenishing the van as as things come um, and really being able to put out, you know, what is it that we need and people being able to respond. And so like, for example, the, the call for art uh, or art supplies was one that we saw as a need and we put it out and somebody donated like, you know, 2000 crayons um, to, to give out to, to children. Um, we also got children's books. And so, yeah, the, the van is constantly changing um, as far as what the content inside is, um, but we're really grateful for community who supported us in getting all of those things together. Nice, that's great. And it, it makes me think too, that there are people who are, you know, there are people who are donating these things um, and keeping you in mind. I just wonder about like people around town. Have, have you seen a shift from like, what's this van to, hey, their sister's van. I know them. Are, like, are people, do people anticipate yeah. you coming and do they know who you are? And I, I bet they do, right? Yes, yes. So people do know who we are. Um, on social media, we have a hashtag sister's van. Um, link where people can take a picture with the van and send it to us. Um, we give them a little shout out. Um, but yeah, people, we, we make it a point not to just go to one place one time um, and that we post where we're going every single week. Um, and we want people to know in that community that we're gonna be there. Um, and, and we do reach out to, the, to those community members before we get there, right? So like if there's an organization that has been working in that area um, that we had, you know, that we want to connect with, we'll reach out to them before we get there to be like, hey, um, if you have a bulletin or any newsletters, like, please share that we'll be there so that your community knows that we'll be there. Um, and yeah, so now people know, like, okay, so this man is going to be here, so I'm going to be there at that time. Um, and so, yeah, there, there's definitely, Denise is the person that's on the van. Um, she definitely has built a deep relationship with so many people on the ground um and really you know building that that on the ground relationship to to have people know where we're going to be and also to take stock of what people need so that we can ask for it um and get it for those people nice yeah. so like going out and bringing the stuff is also a process of building relationships with community and identifying and listening to needs and, love that and there were there were you know in the beginning and and a little bit now i would say um parents who were sheltered in place right and weren't able to leave um and and moms and and families who are immunocompromised and not able to to get things for themselves and so we did like one-on-one -on -one deliveries as well um to families that couldn't come out um and that you know people are so grateful for like the small you know the smallest of things um you know like a plan b or or like pads you know um or even like food and and different things that we have been collecting um and so we put out a form for people to fill out if they're not able to leave their home and so 
luckily we were able to to do that one-on-one -on -one support as well nice mm -hmm. I, i'm just noticing that i remember remembering earlier you said something about like i go out and then you were like well i mean like i go out on the internet which i think is such a great um example of just like how work is shifting how the ways that we're talking is shifting and it's just really cool that you all are, are using um social media and partnerships um so effectively um so you know i i think that we've talked a little bit about this already but i just really want to highlight accessibility um it's one of the kind of the themes of of this of this series so is there anything else that you wanted to add about like changes that you've made due to the pandemic that has um that has made your work even more accessible than it than it was to begin with yeah i mean i think i think definitely being able to provide online spaces more frequently than we did before um and really being able to respond to the times right and and not waiting until someone else did it or waiting until you know we had time um but really jumping on the the opportunities of you know community need a space to talk about the debates right and so we created a space for people to talk about the debates um you know community needs a space to think about what it means to um have reconciliation right and so now there's a, a whole reconciliation series um that's coming out soon um and so really you know when it comes to accessibility one i think meeting people where they are physically right so like with sisters man being able to go out and be like you don't need to come to us we will go to you um and being also being able to have to expand right our language capacity um it to, to serve spanish speakers right which is is something that for me is super important um and and that feels like a way that we've been able to be more accessible um and and i think in the also being able to say like we need to be able to uh to have more online spaces that also connect people to resources at the end um and and a place to point to, right? Like if it's not just like, oh, we're gonna go to this workshop and then there's gonna be nothing after, um, but we're gonna go to this workshop and then we're gonna receive all these resources that we can use on our own, in our own spaces, in our own communities um, that will guide our work forward. Yes. And um, I know that you already have like framed your work as meeting evolving needs, um, but are there just from, from the point of our conversation today forward to the best that you can um, think about this, are there ways that you think that um, that you won't go back to how you were doing things before? Like what does the what does the future look like in, in light of um, some of the, the changes and adaptations that you've made? Yeah, I think I think the van being um, able to respond to community in this mutual aid program. Um, and really being able to dive deeper into the solidarity economy, not just in Brooklyn, but in all five boroughs, um, and being able to connect to the different avenues that exist, right? And the, the different um, needs that are still going to last years down the line, um, that the, the pandemic just exacerbated those things, right? It didn't create it. Um, and that we can't, we can't go back to not to not being able to do those things, right? We can't go back to not responding to community. Um, I think being able to, to continue to build, right? Robust online communities, um, for example, like the Women of Color Solidarity Economy um, and really seeing bartering and skills shared um, and, and sharing supplies and things like that as a way of moving forward. Personally, I'm a cooperator. 
um, I co into co-ops. Um, and so again, like the solidarity economy is very near and dear to my heart. Um, and what that looks like is, is being able to share, to share resources, right? And build um, wealth in all the ways within, within black communities um, and really being able to rethink and redesign the organizational structure to meet the needs of community um, and be strategic around what that looks like for not just community, but for staff as well. Um, who live, you know, in all different areas of the U.S. and and experience different things. Um, yeah, so what it, it looks like is like to be constantly evolving um, and not be still. So that's a great um, a great time to ask then about our listeners. Um, certainly, people are listening from all different communities and. Um, what somebody's doing in one community, you know, we don't want to necessarily say do this exact same thing, but we certainly we think that a lot of, especially the process and the intention and the, the, the principles and values that um, you're talking about and that you're bringing to the work are are things that people can hopefully replicate. So I just wonder what you think um, is something that our listeners can do right now in this moment to focus their work on health equity, and then also what's something that they can do longer term to focus on health equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say in the short term, there's there is I'm sure that there's mutual aid work happening in every community across the United States, um, but across the world, right? Uh, to really respond to the time right now, and being involved looks so different in so many different places, right? Um, and that you can do that right from your phone, right from your home, um, that you don't have to leave, but really being able to think about if there's a skill that you can share that someone else may need, like sharing that skill, right? Being able to connect with a group, an organization, um, mutual aid group that may need that skill, right? Being able to support that. Sometimes that's literally just writing emails, right? If you're a great email writer um, and you you think that you can support in that way, like that is literally a skill that is needed in the work. Um, and, And again, like in the short term, I think being able to realize that we all need each other to get through this. Um, and we can't do it by ourselves. And even if that means like, I'm gonna be this week, I'm gonna be emotional support for an essential worker, right? Um, Anytime that they need to call me, like I'm gonna be available um, to just hear them out, right? Like hear them, hear what they have to say, hear the things that they need. Um, And and in that, right, in health equity is also mental health, right? And what what that looks like in the short term, again, is being able to be there for each other, um, and being able to listen to the things that the community needs. Um, I would say in the longer term, is really thinking about the policies and the direct services that need to exist in order for this, this work that started and, and is blossoming within the pandemic to continue. Um, so what does it mean for mutual aid groups to formalize as co-ops, right? What does it mean for, um, for these services that were created, the one that I'm thinking in that that comes to mind is in New York, we have a get food program, right? That delivers food uh, boxes uh, by the city to different elders and to folks that can't leave their home. What does that, what does it mean for a policy to be put in place that that's always been, that for that to always be the case, right? Or for that always to exist? Um, and what type of advocacy needs to happen for that to be true? Um, and so those, those things are, are how people can get involved. I love that. Yeah. Do the thing and think about longer term, how you can get policy that makes the thing keep going. Um, Shade, um, you 
when you said that there's probably a mutual aid um, effort going on in communities everywhere, it struck me that um, that that's probably true, and um, that maybe sometimes they're not called literally mutual aid. Yeah. So could you talk a little bit about what um, what mutual aid is and what might it look like in a place where it might not literally be under the banner of that of that language? Yeah. So mutual aid is, I would say. Um, being able to support folks, right, with the things that they need. Um, and that can literally be anything. <laughs> um, in our case, the mutual aid that we're doing in New York, um, for Black Women's Blueprint, there's multiple mutual aid groups within just New York, even within the borough of the Bronx where, I'm, where I am. Um, and mutual aid groups can work on different things. Um, so I'm also part of another initiative um, that's called uh, BX Rebirth, BX, uh, uh, yeah, BX Rebirth uh, and Progress. And we focus on giving parents formula, diapers, and wipes, and that's all we do. Um, and so that, you know, mutual aid group is, is very specific about supporting parents with these very particular things. With Black Women's Blueprint, we focus on um, everything, right? So whatever anyone needs, uh, is what we're we're doing. Um, some other mutual aid groups that may not be under the term mutual aid are can be soup kitchens. Um, it can be things like toy drives. Um, it can be um, clothing drives. Um, some people uh, do like you know on the side they'll have like a, a farmers market and if you bring something then you'll get something back. Um, those little book stand that people have sometimes outside of their house and then you you leave one and you take one. Um, that's mutual aid, right? People need knowledge and, and ways to decompress. Um, yeah, so mutual aid can look so many different ways. Um, and a, a way that you can, that this can look, right, within in your space, if, you know, if you have a home or if you have an apartment or whatever, um, is being able to, you know, come together with your neighbors and say like, hey, we're going to have an exchange uh, where you're going to bring these things and I'm going to bring these things and we can like switch off um, and are able to trade the things that we both need, but that we don't have to pay money for it, right? Um, but that it's it'll be beneficial to both of us. Um, and and being able to to center community in that, right? So everyone can be involved is really the key to mutual aid. Um, and and thinking about you know what are what does it mean for folks who are privileged, right? In in multiple ways to be showing up for for folks who are not privileged in in society, um, and what that means and looks like. Shade, thank you so much for joining me today. Um, we do invite folks to learn more about Sisters Van and more uh, of the work by Black Women's Blueprint by checking out the links in the show notes. Thank you for listening to this episode of Resource on the Go. For more resources and information about preventing sexual assault, visit our website, www.nsvrc.org. You can also get in touch with us by emailing resources at nsvrc.org.